Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic. Dynamic Air Quality Solutions manufactures IAQ products based on the science of clean air. Dynamic's clean air defense system products are supported by technical and communication IAQ training that is second to none in the industry. For more information on how to get your team confident in communicating IAQ challenges and solutions on every call, email Michelle Hogan at mhogan at dynamicaqs.com. Support for this podcast also comes from Learning Alliance. Tired of trying to figure out what you should train your team on every week? Do you struggle to be the dynamic trainer that elevates your team's performance while making happy customers? SGI's Learning Alliance now offers its members a turnkey 26-week training schedule with a high-impact sales and communication video for your frontline employees. Turn them on once a week and watch your team transform. Training can be as easy as clicking a mouse. To download this training schedule, SGI members, simply go to the Learning Alliance tab of your SGI Hub website, then click on Learning Alliance videos. You'll find it there. Of course, your coaches are on standby if you need any assistance. Our industry is foreign to our customers. They don't understand what we do because if they did, they'd do it themselves. Exactly. So being able to explain it to them in layman's terms and ways that they understand and showing them either A, how things work or B, you know, what the benefits are to the things that we're doing. That's where they, they have that understanding. And even more so if you're working on a one-legger call or you've only got one decision maker or homeowner in the house, they need to be able to explain it to the other person. Right. And not only what we did, but the value in what we did. Otherwise, all they're saying is this guy was here and it was $500. And the other homeowner goes, what? Yeah. You paid what for what? Yeah, yeah. So it's not just translating the work we did, it's translating the value we built. Welcome to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Hey there, podcast listeners. I am pumped to bring to you a conversation I had with S.T. Jacoby. Esty's an employee with SGI, and in particular, she's a communication and sales trainer with our training division, Learning Alliance. Today, Esty and I talk about the successful steps to a service call. Now, if you're a longtime SGI member, I know you've likely been to much of our training, but if you haven't trained with Esty, be sure to listen. She drops some insightful nuggets on her particular way of communicating to homeowners that I think is worth your time. Now, if you're a SGI member that hasn't made it to Service Essentials, which is our communications class for service techs, or you are a non-member, this is a must listen. This information will immediately impact how well your technicians perform in the field, I promise. And there aren't any better trainers in the game than Esty. The unsolicited compliments I get about her training for members that I've known for years and years is staggering. There are many, and for good reason. Esty knows what she's doing. Before becoming a trainer, Esty was an HVAC residential salesperson. In her first three years, she was a three-time airtime crown champion, which means she sold over $1.5 million herself. And in her best year, she sold over $2.5 million, and that was over 10 years ago. The woman knows how to communicate, help, and earn the trust of homeowners. So get locked and loaded for a great 45 minutes. I promise you'll get a nugget or two. It's well worth your time. Esty, I am so thankful to have you on the podcast. For those who don't know you, could you please share with everyone your name and what your position is with SGI? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm really happy to be here with you today as well. My name is Esty Jacoby. I've been with SGI for, ooh, it's going to be three years next month. And I am a training specialist with SGI. Very good. Very good. And you have a tremendous background. Uh, could you share with everyone your personal journey in contracting? How'd you get started? Oh, I get to go do my life story. So that's right. Yes. Yeah, so my l- life in HVAC in a nutshell, I came into an SGI company out in Palm Springs, California as a temp. So they picked me up through a temp agency. I was going to college. I thought, Uh, you know, I'll just work here for a few months and finish up my psychology degree and move on with life. And like most people who are in contracting know, the industry just sucks you in and you don't get out. (laughs) Seriously, it's like a vortex. It's pretty true. (laughs) 
<laughs> so once I got in there and I got hired on full time, I loved it. And I started out just doing like admin assistant stuff. Um, the owner at the, of the company at the time said, you know what, SD, you're better with people than you are with paperwork. So we need to find you the right seat on the bus. And I didn't take that as like a non-compliment. I just thought, okay, so maybe I'm not great at organizing and doing Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> yeah. but I'm really good at talking. So yeah. they said, yeah. let's put you on as a um, dispatcher sales lead coordinator. And okay. they really didn't even have that position at the time. So he created it for me. I was working with the sales department and getting to talk with customers, which was fantastic. And at that point, he looked at me and goes, okay, you've been doing this for a year now. Where do you want to go next? And I said, I want to be your sales manager. He's like, ooh, we've never had one of those before. Yeah. Let's send you to training. So again, they're SGI company. This was back when headquarters was in St. Louis. So they flew me out to St. Louis a bunch of times to attend a bunch of the SGI courses, came back and I'm like, I'm ready to do this yeah. and took the reins. And within six months, our top comfort advisor had a heart attack. Oh my gosh. I didn't yeah. Know he, he didn't die, which thank goodness. That's good. That's good. Yes. We're running with <laughs> only one salesperson and recovering from a heart attack and climbing into attics in the desert in 125 degree heat do not go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to start the, the hiring process and we went through like 10 to 12 different applicants and it's all about a culture fit thing. And, you know, with sales, you don't have to know the product as much as you have to know how to deal with people right. and the owner and and the guy that had the heart attack actually sat in on the interviews and they looked at me, they go, we think you should do it. Oh. <laughs> and nice. I was like, I think you're crazy. I yeah. don't want to jump in a truck. I don't want to crawl underneath mobile homes on my belly. I yeah. don't want to go through dirty attics where rats live in the heat. <laughs> and they're like, Esty, just go try it for a week and tell us what you think. And I loved it. So... And then, I, and then don't, be sure to toot your horn. Uh, what was your best year? And this was how many years ago, too, as well? People um, this was back in 2011. Right, so 10 years ago, pretty much. Yep, about 10 years ago. And so my first year in the field, um, I started in like April or May. Mm -hmm. And I did 1.7, just shy of 1.7 million and became a crown champion for the first yeah. time. Um, second year, I had a full year under my belt and I did just shy of 2.5 million and I was SGI's first female crown champion over 2 million. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then third year didn't quite finish out the year with them. I kind of got snaked away by another company, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I did yeah. 1.7 before I left. So I crowned champion for a third time. That's great. So you you clearly know what you're talking about. You you've been in the uh, the thick of it. So uh, and now you are you are training today, and you're a sensational trainer. I've heard nothing but good things uh, from members uh, that I've known for years and years, and have been to lots of trainings with lots of different trainers, and and they sing your praises. And um, I kind of just wanted to give people who, that maybe haven't been to one of your classes a taste of, of your knowledge. And, and we also have non-members that are listening as well. So I want them to understand what, what we provide uh, our member contractors. So um, I personally, I passionately believe that all our, our members should go to LA training immediately upon joining. I mean, I've been doing the interviewing successful companies for 17 years. All of them, almost all of them, always go to training right after you know, EP and before EP was Expo, they'd go to Expo right away. So you get trained up and, and you can implement the system. So um, one of the first classes I think, you know, people need to, to get under their belt. And I know you don't teach telephone essentials, but you teach dispatching, right? You mentioned right. to me earlier, mm -hmm. right? So, but, but you got to be able to answer the phone, right? You got to capture those leads and those opportunities as they come in. So um, in that class, they, they, you know, people learn scripting, but there's more to, to answering the phone call. So what do, you know, as, as a person who's been in a service business uh, for, for years and then, and you don't train call to the call taking class specifically, but, but you know what, what it takes to have a great, what a great call taker can mean. So uh, how do great call takers set themselves apart from others? I mean, let's be honest, your call taker is the very first impression that your customer has of your company. 
So you've got your customers out there that may have found you through your fancy ad on, on Google. You may have a fantastic website, but that's not personal. So the first personal contact they have with your company is through your, your call taker. And the first impression is something that you, you just can't replicate and it's something that you can't take for granted. Mm -hmm. So having a call taker that has the right attitude, having a call taker where you can hear their smile in their voice, mm -hmm. having a call taker that has the ability to express empathy, that has good pitch and tone to their voice, uh, good cadence, someone who can really listen and listen between the lines sometimes because let's be real customers don't always tell us what's really going on at the house right. maybe to avoid extra cost of a diagnostic versus maybe a tune-up whatever it may be right so having that call taker that can get to the root of what their concern is show them that empathy um, give them some solutions because we are all solution-based salespeople, and your call takers are selling right they're, they're selling the service they're selling the call they're selling the company they're selling themselves so having someone that can convey all of that and it's a lot to think like oh my gosh this is happening in a matter of seconds or minutes that's right right having the and right person in the right seat on your bus is is crucial for sure for sure and and thoroughness is something um, I find with in interviewing great call takers, thoroughness and, and really ones that are very strong listeners, they they listen for cues, uh, like a homeowner might mention a birthday and they take note of that. I mean, just mm -hmm. as, a, as a person who's with a long track record in sales, going to homes, how, how valuable is that to know, oh, it's it's that homeowner's birthday or they have some big thing you know it's just little th that can help uh bridge the gap and, and get and gain their trust when you was a stranger walking into a house it it makes all of the difference in the world that takes it to a relationship right mm -hmm. versus just a transaction mm -hmm. very good um okay you you as we said earlier you, you teach the dispatching class maybe talk about what um what how valuable for those, again, a lot of people know that are listening, but just speak to the value of a great dispatcher and, and yeah. what makes great dispatchers great. Yeah, I love this because Sonia and I get to do this class together. So we get to play off of each other's strengths <laughs> and um, having. So we used to say that dispatcher ends all be all is all. Mm -hmm. The dispatcher makes the decisions based on the knowledge that they have. And they have to know like everything, hand in every pot. They have to know their technician and their skills and their abilities, their personality, what kind of customers they'll click better with, how quickly they work, how slowly they work, um, skill level based on problem, how well they are at communicating about club memberships, how well they are at presenting options. Right. So when you're dispatching for profits, which is the way we need to dispatch, not by location or by zone or by availability, but for profits, that person's running the show, right? Yeah. And they they have to literally have like seven sets of hands and 14 eyes. I don't know how they do it so well, but the right people, man, yeah. they can really run that board. Yep. What, what do you find? What have you, what's your experience been? What, what type of people are the best dispatchers? What kind of qualities are they? Are they just very hardcore uh, analytical? Are they more uh, detail oriented? Are they not afraid to, to you know, put a technician in this, in this place in a way? I mean, you're yes. definitely managing relationships and, and yeah. personalities in that aspect. What do you think? All, I think all of that. I think being very analytical, obviously, to know the details of each call. So detail-oriented and analytical, I feel like, go hand in hand. Knowing what the customer said, what they need, what they want, and who's the best fit for it. But also being a little bit hard-edged in the way that they don't budge if they get pushback from a tech. Like, oh, I don't want to go to that call. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But you're going to that call without <laughs> overstepping their role, because really a manager is there to be a manager, sure. right? But sure. knowing how to handle the situation with tact mm -hmm. and professionalism, but yeah. also being empathetic and knowing, okay, so this guy's been out there all day. It's 100 degrees outside. He's got to be exhausted. I need to let him know that it's okay to take a break. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep, that's great. That's great. Um, just can kind of walk you through the natural progression of the call. So our call taker takes the call, books it, dispatcher dispatches the call. 
um, then uh, you know, and then our, our technician goes out to the call. So um, for our service techs, we have a class called Service Essentials, mm -hmm. and uh, I want to get into that a little bit. So um, what should a technician, what, what should good technicians be doing to prepare to do an excellent job for that homeowner once they've been dispatched? Is there a mental, like a mental process they should do, or, or what, have, what have you seen from the really good service techs that you've coached and talked with? How do they get ready for calls? Oh, yeah. I mean, we talk about it in class. You know, attitude is everything. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about preparation, I'm not just talking about physically being prepared, looking good, smelling good, you know, all of that having a clean truck. I'm not just talking about having the right materials. I'm talking about preparing yourself, whether it's your first call of the day or you've been on four calls, it's six o'clock at night, you were expecting to get off, you need to go run this emergency call, you don't feel like you wanna do it, you've got someone on the phone saying, when are you coming home? And being <laughs> able to remove your, your junk Mm -hmm. and focus and give each customer the five-star experience that they deserve. So that's the kind of preparation you need because whether you're the first customer or the sixth customer of the day, you're still paying the same and expecting the same level of service. Right. And we need to be able to provide that. Sure, for sure, for sure. So, okay, our technician is... He's got his person. He's got his. Uh, he's got himself mentally ready. He pulls up to the house. Maybe talk about how should they approach the home. There's there's a there's some science to that, isn't there? There there is. So, you know, we definitely don't ever want to be late to start with, right? right so, sure. <laughs> five minutes early is on time. You know, on time is late. Late is unacceptable, is what I've always heard. Mm -hmm. So get there a few minutes early, not like half an hour early and where they're caught off guard and just getting out of the shower. But you pull up to the home and you don't dawdle and sit around and, and search and fumble for your stuff. It's prepared. Even if that means you pulled over a block away, got your stuff on the front seat, ready to rock and roll, and were able to pull up, park on the streets, not in the driveway, and walk up to the house because you're parking your rolling billboard in the street for everyone to see that's passing by. Yep. Plus, you don't want to drip oil in their driveway, right? Sure, sure. So then you walk up the sidewalk and not through the grass unless they don't have a sidewalk. And then just don't step on flowers and be conscientious <laughs> of what you're doing. Like, exactly. I'm just going to climb over this hedge real quick, you know? <laughs> then you get to the door and you either knock because salespeople ring doorbells and friends knock or... This is a new one because it's technology. If they have a ring doorbell, yeah. ring it because they installed it because they want to see who's there. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. For sure. That makes yeah. sense. So makes if sense. they have a ring doorbell, ring the ring doorbell. Yeah. And then you take a few steps back because especially with what's going on now with social oh. distancing, do not be right in front of their face when you open the door. Number one, especially if you're a, a person of stature and you have a smaller homeowner, that's intimidating. Right. And number two, because not everyone wants you in their bubble the second you get there. So yeah, yeah, you take a few steps back, you open yourself up, and you make sure you've got what you need, including your straightforward pricing guide or your your tablet if you're on tablet, and a small bag of premium tools. Because someone who shows up at the door without tools does not look like a technician. Right. Very good point. Very good point. Because I do. Yeah, I've, I've heard there's there's technicians that roll up without the tools and, and people are apprehensive at first and they go, are you with the company? I, shouldn't you have tools? So that, that definitely makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So the homeowner opens the door and and they welcome welcome us in as the technician. So what what do you uh, you know, what do we teach at that point? Um, well, what should a technician be doing? Are you running right to the problem or are you having some small talk or what do we what do we teach? Yeah, first things first is attitude of gratitude, thanking the customer for the opportunity. Right. Because if they're anything like where I was, there was 167 HVAC companies in 40 square miles. So the fact that I even made it to the door was huge, right? <laughs> sure. So sure. thanking them for the call, um, introducing themselves properly. The fact of the matter is most of the time the homeowner is going to try to drag the person straight to the area of concern, right? Whether it's an estimate or whether it's a, a repair, they're going to say, okay, let me go ahead and take you to that sink. Let me take you to the, the panel, whatever it may be. Right. And our job as technicians is to take friendly control of the call and slow down the pace a little bit so we can do our due diligence and begin to build that foundation of trust and rapport and friendship. So that way we have the time to show them what makes us different from chucking a truck. You know what right. I mean? 
Right, right, right. What are some what are some things that you teach uh, technicians? You know that maybe not be used to making small talk. How, you know, are there certain little tricks of the trade to, to you know things to look for to ask? You know, I mean, I'm sure it's just asking questions, letting people talk, right? So, what what are some things? You tell people to look for when when they're in the home to make small talk about. Yeah, sincere compliments are always a great way to start. I mean, I always warn people though, like if you don't care about someone's roses in the front yard, yeah, probably shouldn't bring it up because that could be the the homeowner's favorite thing in the world. And then right. now you're going to talk about roses for 47 minutes, right. and just make sure you watch your face so that yes. way it show right. how much interest you've lost all of a sudden, right? Yeah. But, a very sincere compliment. Like, you know what? I've, I've noticed a lot of changes in this neighborhood and your house is beautiful. It looks like you probably did some updates. Tell me about how long you've been here. Yeah. Getting them to open up and, and talk about themselves. People love to talk about themselves. Right. So right. a compliment with a question follow-up is a great way to, to break the ice. Right. For sure. And, and, and there are certain homeowners, I'm sure, you know, maybe they're elderly people that are alone and have been for a while that will talk your ear off. Uh, uh -huh. If you allow them to, and, and certainly there's some there's value in because you're connecting with that person, and, and that means it's it's highly more likely that they will do business with you. At the same time, you you know you want to be respectful of your own time. So how do you how do you gently take control of those calls as a technician and and still have a, a friendly dialogue with with him or her, but but not to sit there for three hours and not get anything accomplished? Is there any, any way that to to kind of rein that in? Yeah, I I used to have that happen quite a bit. I guess I have that face where people Friendly are like, let's, let's sit down and chat for two hours. And yeah, as yeah. much as I love talking, I knew I had a job to do. So a lot of times I would kind of make a joke out of it. And I would say, my gosh, if I could just sit here all day with you, this is be the best thing about my job. Or, you know, if they just paid me for this, this would be amazing. But I feel like I'm probably not doing what I'm supposed to be doing unless you want to come with me and help me out. I would love for your company right? while right. I'm working. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they take me up on it like, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's funny you bring it up because I was going to ask about that. In all situations, we, we if we can, we, we, we want the homeowner to come along with us because that, that is an opportunity to, to build rapport, but also to kind of show them that what you're doing and, and add to your credibility, right? Absolutely. And on top of it, it gets you, gives you the ability to ask questions like how each room is used, who's in there, how often are you using it, what problems are you experiencing with it? So that way you get more of the story. Right. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, what do you do in situations where you have homeowners that, you know, that uh, D personality that's, that's maybe working from home and not used to it, and they've got 80 phone calls they want to make, and, and they say, nah, you go ahead, just, you know, I've, I've got things to do. What, well, how do you manage that and connect with that person that really wanted to rush through the initial small talk that you're trying to do, and, and then definitely does not want to go walk with you during, uh, you know, to the, to the point of reason why you're there and then do the inspection later. So how do, how do you manage those personalities? I, I love that you brought this up because that's actually one of the training videos I'm working on this week. We're calling it distracted homeowners. Mm, yeah. So yeah, you've got those personality types that are, you know, get to the meat and potatoes. I don't want to hear your life story. I don't need to know what's happening. Just get it done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. I, I use different verbiage and language with customers like that. So I use the same type of language they would tell me, listen, Mrs. Jones, I get it. Your time is valuable. You don't need to have me dilly dallying around and, and going through my whole life story. I do need to hit a couple of important points so you know exactly what's going to happen today. So I'm not wasting your time. And right. then I still do what it is I need to do. Yeah, right. For so sure. they, they know that I empathize with their situation but I'm still not going to leave anything out. They just know that, or they think that I'm getting to an abridged version of what mm -hmm. I do. And it probably is. I'm picking out some of the stuff, but I'm still hitting, hitting everything I need to do because if I don't build that value up front, mm -hmm. it's just going to be price. And when we play the numbers game like that, we lose. Yep. 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 For sure. Well, now that we're, we're talking about personalities, we might as well hit on the other two. Uh, the people that are very, uh, you know, the analytical types that that want to know every little detail um is there how do you manage those personalities uh how do you curtail what you do to the to them no oh, i give them what they want and that's <laughs> where 
<laughs> that's where setting expectations is is key with them. I need to tell them step by step what the process is going to look like. Yeah. I let them know, you know, how thorough I'm going to be, how I find the information that I'm going to find. I encourage them to come with me and look. And mm-hmm. let's be real. I mean, we've all been out there in the field where you have that quote unquote engineer type over your shoulder watching what you're doing. Sure. They're not going to not do that. So you might as well welcome it and put on a show for them to show them. Mm-hmm. how much you know, how thorough you are, explain the difference of what's going on. So that way, when you come down to giving options, they already see the why behind. Right, right. Are they almost easier to sell at that point because, you, because you've educated them step by step? As long as it's something that aligns with what they think they found out already because they probably ah. did research, then yes. <laughs> right. right. Not, you got to be careful about how you explain it to change their point of view. Sure, sure. That's interesting. Um, I've, I've, I've mentioned this because I've, I've had this conversation with members, but I'd be intrigued to see what you think. I've heard from in the past that S personalities, this kind of happy-go-lucky that are very agreeable are sometimes the most difficult to um, to truly understand what's going on in their head because they are so agreeable and they want to be so. But mm-hmm. once it comes down to money, then they go, oh, you know, they, they kind of backpedal or whatever. So how do you how do you manage s personalities as a service technician to really understand what's going on in their in their head yeah the s personality they are great listeners they're not big talkers and they will not rock the boat because they like things peaceful and organized right so <laughs> yeah. those were the hardest ones for me as well because they're nodding along with you and then you get to the end they're like i need to think about it and i'm like where did i lose you Right, right. I lost you somewhere. So the the key to S personalities when you know you've got that agreeable person is ask for their opinion on things. Okay. So is is that throughout the process? That throughout Mm -hmm. the process you're asking that? Absolutely. So Mrs. Jones, you know, here's what we're looking at today. And and what are your thoughts? What were you expecting? You know, what can I do to make sure that you're fully satisfied today? What are some experiences you've had in the past? You know, getting those open-ended questions out there to get them to give you more of the story makes it easier for you to tailor it to what they really want. Support for this podcast comes from Rhino Fleet Tracking. Rhino is an industry-leading commercial vehicle tracking company with an array of vehicle and equipment tracking solutions, which provides you valuable data about your drivers and fleet. Their live Texas-based customer service has led them to more than 12 years of success. For SGI member discounts and more information, visit rhinofleettracking.com. Welcome back to the show. In the first half of my conversation with SGI's sales and communication trainer, S.G. Jacoby, we learned about her personal journey into contracting, in particular, how she became a crown champion selling $2.5 million in residential HVAC equipment 10 years ago. She's since then transitioned her skills to become a highly successful sales trainer. Essie went on to talk with you and me about the role call centers have in setting up technicians for success, how technicians can find immediate success or failure within the first few minutes of a service call, and how to curtail how you talk to different disc personalities. In the second half of our chat, Esty and I will talk about open-ended questions, training disciplines needed to become the very best, the true value of a safety inspection and options, why callbacks are killers, and so much more. So let's jump back into our conversation. So much of sales, I think people think, is, is um, it's, you know, the, the stereotype is to be pushy and, and to have all the right words. But, you know, the great salespeople I've talked to over the years is, are great, do a great job of asking questions. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and they let people, you know, they, they let people talk and, and you know, and it, and you can kind of find out what's going on in people's minds and, and curtail your presentation uh, based upon the responses. But how, how did you become a great uh, question asker? Is it just natural to you? Is there anything people can do to uh, become better at that skill to help them? Yeah, absolutely. I think studying the difference between closed-ended questions and open-ended questions is going to get you pretty far. A closed-ended question really is only going to give you one or two words, and it doesn't give you much to go off of unless you're looking for really specific details. When you get good at figuring out how to just tweak or change your closed-ended questions to something more open to allow for a dialogue and a story or an opinion, that's when you can read between what they're the lines of what they're really saying and and figure out what makes them tick. Right, right. In, in this particular interview, we're talking mostly about service calls, but you know, obviously, this works for sales calls as well. When when you train with people and, and when you were in, in sales, um, 
did you practice open-ended questions? Did you give yourself if, okay, if they say, if I ask this, they'll say this or this, what's my response to that? Like how, how, how much can you plan out and, and, and train and practice for those situations so you know how to respond properly? Is there, a, is there a way to do that? Yeah, I had a great team. So at one point there was four of us that were um, comfort advisors mm -hmm. and we would actually go in an hour early each day to be able to discuss what happened the day before, you know, role play how to either overcome an objection or ask a better question or or lead a conversation in a different way. And it's practice. It's just a lot of practice. Yeah. It, even if you are a natural salesperson, which there are those people out there, yeah, you know, yeah. you still have to perfect your craft. For sure. For sure. You said you did it every day. You guys would get together early. Every or, day. Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I guess it's just like anything. Most people that are listening to this uh, came up in, the, in this industry on, on the technical side. And I'm sure those of you listening, you, you had certain skills that on the, technically that were not the best when you started and, and obviously you become a master at it and it just takes time. So same thing, right? With communication skills, it just, it's just uh, repetition, repetition, repetition. So yeah. um, that's interesting. All right. So we, I kind of diverted off my, my line of questions, but um, so the, <laughs> but this is, it was an interesting, uh, uh, you know, uh, where we were at was, was pretty interesting. So I wanted to pursue that. But uh, so uh, the homeowner takes us uh, to, to, you know, whether it's the sink or, or the unit, whatever, where the issue exists and, mm -hmm. and the technician looks at it. And then at what point should people bring up, um, you know, for HVAC, we have a system performance report for roofing. We have a roof inspection for plumbing and electrical. It's a safety inspection. At what point are those, are those reports uh, mentioned and introduced by the, the technician to the homeowner? I think actually before the, if you can get them to pause before they drag you to the area of concern, I think going over it beforehand is a great way to do it. So, you know, you say, Mrs. Jones, I, I actually, I do want to take a look at that sink, but in fact, what I'm going to be doing is, is inspecting your entire plumbing system to ensure that you're safe and that you can make informed decisions about your home based on your needs and your budget and, and your family and how you use everything. So what I'm going to be doing is utilizing this form to go through a complete safety evaluation. And what I'm going to do afterwards is I'm going to bring these things to your attention. So if I find something of concern, you would want me to come tell you, right? right. And of course, they're going to say yes. And you know what that does is it gives you permission to now provide options. Sure, sure. And, and I think that is the this this step, the inspection step, is, even with with companies that I, I see are 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 on the right trajectory and they're and they're selling more and they're you know and customers are happy. That's still something a lot of them struggle with with their 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 techs in the field is is they the consistency in in using the inspection. But but the inspection really it, it's it's I think their 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 mindset is it's just meant to to drive sales and, and it does that. But it also provides real value, does it not? Oh yeah. So let's imagine you're in my home and you don't tell me anything about what you're going to be doing. I don't see you filling out a form and you don't go over a form with me, but yeah, all of a sudden I have to pick from expensive, more expensive and the most expensive. Mm -hmm. I'm like, right. where did you get that from? Yeah. Right? So this is not only is it a value builder. So your customer sees how thorough you're going to be. It's a tangible piece of evidence of that thoroughness for the customer to be able to, to, to visually go over, especially if you're using a form like ours, where it has the red, yellow, green, mm -hmm. it's so easy to explain things in a way that people understand, even if it's technical right. by utilizing that form. So it's a huge value builder. And yes, that's where your options come from, right? And, and I'm glad you brought this up about talking about uh, talking about the form itself and in the different the different levels. When you when you uh, train technicians, you you want them to to go through the good, the not so good, and the bad all together. You don't want them just to come and hammer on the bad and scare people, right? Oh yeah, no, because like I love going to the doctor and hearing only bad news, right? No, I want to hear what. <laughs> You're what I'm doing well. Like, good job, SD. Your hair hasn't all fallen out. You still have your teeth, but let's work on X, Y, Z. Right. So yeah, I, I need to I need to hear the good. I need to hear what I can uh, be proactive about. So that's kind of the in between. And then I need to hear you know what's going on. The reason why I called you out to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we've looked at the repair. We've done the inspection. 
uh, it's time to start building options and then and then presenting those to the homeowner. I, I think um, the really good successful technicians are very good at building options. And and the one and there's in I feel like for newer people, they struggle with building strong options that, that some of them will go with the home run you know, like ten thousand yep. dollar and then the, the middle options like a five hundred dollar and then there's like you know the the service fee so right. how, what how, what's the key to building and, and this is hard because we're talking four different trades but right. but what is the key to building strong options i mean how is it is it you look towards safety you look towards efficiency and try to group things together how do you have that conversation with technicians and training about building options Right. So when when we're talking about, you know, whether you want to call it your your good, better, best or your must, should, could or whatever we need to do. I, I like to when we're in class, we we use the the could do, should do, must do. Okay. So your could do, it, it could either be your replacement option. Mm -hmm. And if it is a replacement option, please know that you cannot just give one. You have to then go into three more options, right. but it, it could be a replacement option. It could be a um, efficiency upgrade option. It could be a um, aesthetical option, something to just look better. Yeah. So that's a, anything that was in green could be in, involved in that. You know, mm -hmm. your your should do. This is like, hey, it's not broken yet, but I'd rather you save money and time today by getting it all done and being proactive as opposed to having to be reactive later. So yeah. will the ticket be higher today? Sure but you don't have to pay a service fee for me to come back to diagnose what I already know is going to happen. Right. And you're right. not going to have to waste your time. And then right. your, your bottom, your must do is, Hey, this is what you called me out here for today. Plus a service fee. Right. Right. Are you, when you're building options or you know training people to build options today, um, how cognizant are you of the, of the values of each of the three options? Is it, is it something that you just don't want to get too, were there two different or, or is that not even in your mindset and you're just building up what, what you've seen and you're building it and you're breaking it down into three options and what it is, is, is what it is. Yeah. It, I think it just has to be so tailored to each individual um, occurrence with each customer, because there's some customers where, you know, money and price is not the biggest factor. Maybe mm -hmm. for them it's safety, peace of mind, uh, comfort, whatever their, their, um, their, their triggers are right? right. So, so being able to get to know your customer, ask those hard questions, figure out what they need. That's going to dictate how you build options. Cause you're going to have those customers out there that are super price conscious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for them, it's not a, if, you know, I, I just don't want to do that. It's, I cannot afford that. Right, right. So being able to tailor what you can do for your customer and find ways to make it happen, like financing, for for example, right. that's how we make our options work for our customers. And so that's why I, I don't get into too much of the in the weeds. It's more about being able to read people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And 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 we always lead with financing, right? That's just assume that they're, oh, they're yeah. going to find. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Great. Um, so this is probably pertaining more to, to HVAC and roofing, but then again, there are, are SGI members who are are, hat, are are you know flipping leads and even in plumbing and, and electrical these days. So how is you know it, let's on the HVAC side because it's the it's I feel like it's the easiest to talk about. Um, well, roofing as well, but if you're a technician and, and you know someone had you come out and they thought it was going to be just a simple repair, you're going to be in and out. All of a sudden, you have to have this difficult conversation that you know. This 25-year-old system, Mrs. Jones, probably isn't going to get you through. It's got all these problems. Uh, and, and I really need to have, if, especially if this is a company that doesn't allow techs to sell, um, you're, mm -hmm. you're just purely a, a service tech. How, how, do, how does that service technician have that conversation with a homeowner that's probably best to have a comfort advisor or a senior technician come out to the house? Because you know they're going to be, a homeowner's going to be freaked out by that. So how, how do you manage that conversation? So the thing is, we want to let them know every option that they have. So that way they can make that informed decision. So mm -hmm. the, the good question to, to ask is, have you ever considered replacing this system? Mm -hmm. It's 25 years old. It's running really inefficiently. And at this point, it's going to either A, start nickel and diming you to death, 
or B, because it's so obsolete, you're not going to be able to do much in the future. And that's why with HVAC, it's easy if they're R22 versus R410A. So Mrs. Jones, let me show you, I've got this tool and our tool that we use is the true cost calculator. Let me show you an, an estimate of what it could cost you just to keep this equipment. And then I'll let you decide if it would be, um, prudent for you to, to at least get more options so you can make that informed decision. Sure. Sure. On the, on the roofing side, I, you know, there's, there's, I don't believe there's any kind of, well, I can't remember if there's a two cost calculator or not. I don't, I don't know if, we, if there is, we train on it anymore, but, but there are certainly, I guess, what pictures and video and really demonstrating the wear and tear on the roof is, is probably the best way to, to communicate right. to people just how, how any, well, inefficient and just beat down their, their current roof is. Yeah, and I think this translates across all fields. It's the why behind. You can't just say replace it. You need mm-hmm. to say why and explain to them what you know what the benefits are of of new. So right. here's what you could get if you make the upgrade today: peace of mind, safety, comfort, uh, efficiency, savings. And then I ask customers: imagine what you would do with all that extra time that you're not having to waste getting repairs done. Imagine right. with all those savings you could have on a month-to-month basis on your utility bills. Where would you spend that money? Right. Ah, that's good. You can start thinking about what what could happen. Mm-hmm. I like. It. I like it. Very good. Um, you know, something where we uh, talk about a lot, and I'm assuming is 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 discussed a fair bit in training, is this idea of I think, you know, at milestone, they call it getting in the pickle. I, I'm sure, I think that was based on some book. I can't recall immediately, yeah. but, but I have uh, the idea of going above and beyond for a homeowner and, mm-hmm. and, and maybe do you, how, how much is that talked about in class and, and what are some things a technician can do to just kind of, you know, set him or herself apart uh, and show the homeowner like, Hey, you're, you care, you're trying to go above and beyond. Are there certain, you know, what, what do you tell people? How, what, what are some things to look for? Yeah, we we talk quite a bit about it because the thing is customers expect good customer service, right? But what they don't realize is what they need is excellent customer service. Right. So it's not memorable unless you go above and beyond because they already expected to you to just do your job. Sure. So sure. standing out in their mind, getting those five-star reviews, getting them that, that stickiness factor of them coming back to you is you doing a little something extra. And I yeah. always tell the text, listen, I ask the question, do you think that you should point out what you did or should, should you not? And they always say, no, just do it. And I'm like, no, you have to <laughs> point out what you did. Yeah. <laughs> so the best way to do that is to ask permission to do the thing after the fact, like, hey, Mrs. Jones, is it okay that I pulled your trash cans in for you? What is she going to say? No, go put them back. (laughs) Right. Right. I like that. That's funny. That's really funny. Um, So we, you know, we talk a lot about soft skills. This has mostly been a conversation about soft skills and, and, you know, as a technician, you can, you can be the greatest communicator and, and really connect with someone and the homeowner loves you, but you know, it's the middle of summer and you rush through the job once you got to the technical part of it and you go, you know, because you know, you got a bunch of others coming up and whatever your repair was doesn't take. And now you get a call back and the homeowner, all that, all that hard work was undone. So maybe could you just speak to, especially as someone who's been, been in a very, what got to be a very big service business, what kind of an impact does, does a callback have on a business and how important is it for a technician to, to, to slow down once once all the communicating is over and, and really do the job properly and double and triple check it. Yeah, callbacks are killers. That's what we used to say. It's it's a morale killer for the technician, right? They don't want to feel like they did a bad job. It's yeah. a profit killer for the company, right? Sure. Because we have to now spend our time and resources in sending out someone else to redo a job that was already done. And it's a reputation killer yeah. because I'm telling you, customers will not talk about a service company because they did good, (laughs) but they will go talk about if you mess something up real fast. That gossip spreads like wildfire. They cannot wait to jump online and badmouth you. Yes. Yes. So the best thing to do is to avoid them altogether. And that's going through and being thorough and following the steps and making sure you build that relationship and double and triple checking your work and walking through and explaining it to a customer because sometimes what a customer considers a callback is not even a callback. Right. Okay. Maybe you didn't explain what their options were and why they should be proactive in something. 
and that something fails a week later after you've left. That's a callback. That's a failure on their part to make a decision and and act in an appropriate way. But if they didn't know, that is your fault. Right, right. I'm glad you mentioned that. That was going to be my my follow-up question was the value of walking a customer through the job just so they can see what they, they paid for, right? And they understand what you did. Oh, absolutely. Because our our industry is foreign to our customers. Right. They don't understand what we do because if they did, they'd do it themselves. Exactly. So exactly. being able to explain it to them in layman's terms and ways that they understand and showing them either A, how things work or B, you know, what the benefits are to the things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's where they, they have that understanding. And even more so if you're working on a one-legger call or you've only got one decision maker or homeowner in the house, they need to be able to explain it to the other person. Right. And not only what we did, but the value in what we did. Otherwise, all they're saying is this guy was here and it was $500. And the other homeowner goes, what? Yeah. You paid what for what? Yeah, yeah. So it's not just translating the work we did, it's translating the value we built. Sure. How, did you, when you were in the field, did you, were there a lot of situations where you had to talk to the other homeowner on the phone? I mean, you, I know you, you always want to get two decision makers there, but sometimes that just doesn't happen. Or they said, oh yeah, he or she will be present. And then he or she is not. Right. And you just got one. So is that something you've asked? Hey, can I talk to, to Joe or Jane or whomever? Yeah. And what's even better now with technology is if you've got FaceTime or video call abilities or anything, you can like get them so where you can see facial expressions, which is way better. But yeah, it's, it's so hard to leave information with one person and then trust them to explain it and translate it in the way that you meant it to be said. It's like that game of telephone when you were a kid, you know, you whispered in one person's ear and it goes around the circle and it comes Mm. back to you completely different. Sure. That's working with one homeowner. So our goal is to have the ability to discuss with, interact with, explain to and answer questions of both decision makers. And I hate using the word decision maker with a customer. Yeah. So I asked them, hey, I want to make sure when we design these options together that I take everyone's opinion into consideration. So is there anyone else that I should be talking to whose opinion would matter in this? Right. OK. OK. And then that's how you get the opportunity to mention, hey, should we call mm. him or her? Mm-hmm. OK, Absolutely. very good. I like that. I like that. Um, all right. So uh, anyways, we're at the end of the call. Um, you know, done the work and walk the customer through it. We collect. Um, after collecting, we, you know, a, a big thing, and it's been going on for some few years now, is the idea of asking for reviews. So um, maybe could you talk about how, what's a polite way to ask for, you know, because reviews are so important, especially with a lot of our members that are smaller and don't have big marketing budgets. You can look like a, a big company and be a small company if you have a ton of five-star reviews. So yeah. um, how do you politely ask for a five-star review? Is there is is there a way to do so? Yeah, it's so funny because I I lead by example because I ask for reviews at the end of my classes. So I show them. Oh, yeah, I told I, I'm like, you, you, did you hear how I just said that? That's what I want you to do. So the way I ask, I said, listen, it would be a huge favor to me and it would really help me out if I could get some feedback from you. You know, I, I want to make sure that I provided the, the level of, of teaching and instruction that you were hoping for. And if I haven't, you know, please let me know now so I can change anything that I need to. But if you were fully satisfied and you felt like this was five-star teaching, can you go online and leave those five stars for me? So I'm asking for a favor. I'm saying how important it is to me. And then I'm being specific in my ask. I like it. I love it. Um, just a couple more quick things. Um, Something we talk about, and it, it, for a lot of companies, it's gone away just because of the automation with uh, a lot of the software that's available now is the idea of a happy call. And mm-hmm. it just, again, there's a lot. I know big companies that go, ah, you know, we just, you know, we don't we do not do them anymore. What, what is the value of a happy call? And, and what is it for people that, that are maybe don't know the lingo and, and, and what kind of value does that provide? So really it's a follow-up call within about 30 minutes after the technician leaves to really get um, true feedback from the customer. Because let's be real, not all customers will tell the technician to the face whether they were happy or not. So this helps us to stave off any um, negative reviews that may come 
from the customer once the technician leaves their presence. Mm -hmm. um, it allows us to um, do basically a follow-up on the technician's routine and process, make sure they hit all the steps. Right. And if in case there were any lingering questions, it allows us to answer those for the customer. Plus, they feel like, wow, they really do care about me. Right, right. And it's important it's done. I know a lot of people are like, oh, we'll, just, we'll do it in a few days or a week. It, it, there's really, I think there's a lot more value in, in doing it promptly. What, what do you think? Oh, yeah. If I'm an upset customer, I'm not going to wait to go online <laughs> and badmouth you. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your 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 five star review you promise is actually a one star because they've gotten on there and they've just raged on Facebook for a while. So yeah, yeah. exactly. That's mm -hmm. good. Point. That's a really good point. Um, well, Essie, we've covered a ton today. This was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed all your insight, and I cannot thank you enough for having you on. Like I said, we'll have to have you on again in the future to to talk through the sales process. So I hope you don't mind if I I take some more of your time. But this was again really enjoyable. Thank you so much. Thanks. I had a great time. I'd love to come back. We'll have some right. more fun. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day, SD. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That's SD Jacoby, Trainer for Learning Alliance, part of the Success Group International family. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchen at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. And remember, friends give fives. You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Bradford White. Bradford White is a full-line manufacturer of residential and commercial water heaters and boilers. While being manufactured and assembled in the USA by American craftspeople, Bradford White's goal is to deliver high-quality, superior products specifically built for the professional contractor. You can always count on the performance and reliability of our built-to-be-the-best products. Visit bradfordwhite.com to learn more. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a production of the Aquila Investment Group, LLC, All Rights Reserved 2021. <laughs>